0: Amen. Amen. Thanks, man. Let's give a hand for the band. Hey, we're so glad you're here today. My name is Vince Pieri. I am the one of the pastors at High Point Church. I'm actually the kids' pastor. So most weeks I'm over on that side of the building with all the children. We have a great time over there. Uh, but I also am one of the regular preacher people for Big Church. That's what we call this service in kids ministry. That's kids church and this is Big Church. So welcome to Big Church. You've made it. You've already accomplished something before you even knew that you could. So good job making it to Big Church. Uh, If you're new today, we want to say a special welcome to you. If you don't normally attend church, We are so glad you're here. If you've never been to church, we're so glad you're here. If you haven't been to church for a long time, we're so glad you're here. If you have a friend who brought you and you have told them, I am never coming back, we are still glad you're here right now. And you may have actually been brought to church today because last week I shared with everybody, hey, the the message that I'm going to try to do this week, today, I'm going to try to... um, be a good one to hear if you've never really been to church before so or if you haven't been for a while so if that's you we're so glad you're here and if you didn't know that for if you weren't here last week you just know that's that's what we're doing today we are hearing the story of how samuel hears from god we're going through this book right now the book of first samuel it's a book in the first chunk of the bible and it is um an incredible book lots of amazing stories in it i said this last week i'll say it again it's, this is the book that has the story of David and Goliath. Raise your hand if you know the story of David and Goliath. Pretty much everybody in here, even if you've never really been to church, you've probably heard the story of David and Goliath. So if you come every week this summer, you will hear the story of David and Goliath one of those weeks. I'm not going to tell you which week we're doing it because I want to bait you in to just keep on coming until you hear it. But today we're going to hear the story of Samuel and how we first hear is from God. And I love this story because it speaks to something that we all feel, something that we've all experienced before, whether you've been coming to church or been a Christian for 50 or 60 or 70 years, or if today is your first day, you've experienced something that this story helps you understand and helps you overcome. Raise your hand if you've seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life. We're gonna talk about the thing that this story helps us understand. It's a Wonderful Life. The movie starts out. See if you remember this. If you haven't seen it, that's okay. I'm going to fill you in on what it's all about. So it starts out and there's this town and the camera's going from building to building and snow is falling and in the background you're hearing people praying and they're all saying, God, help George Bailey, bless George Bailey, George Bailey needs your help tonight and they're all praying and then the camera zooms up into heaven and you see it going into outer space and there's like this really terrible CGI planet that flies past the screen because it's an old movie and that's as good as they can do at the time and then you see God and Joseph actually they're both there and they're represented as these two constellations and when they talk they flash and blink do you remember that Anger remembers that I see you're nodding so this is what's so interesting about this scene is God is the first person to speak and he says Joseph is something troubling you And Joseph says, there's a lot of prayers coming up for a man named George Bailey. And then God goes, George Bailey, just in that voice, George Bailey, oh! And then he remembers George Bailey. And if you've been coming to church a long time, or if this is your first day, you've all felt that before, that if someone were to go straight to God and say, hey, remember Vince Pieri? He'd say, Vince Pieri. Oh, yeah, I remember him. John Zagatowski, uh, let me think. Oh, yeah, I remember John Zagatowski. Trevor Hogue, uh, yeah, Trevor Hogue, I remember him. That we feel like, okay, God's up there, he sees everything, he sees the whole world, and if he went down with, like, a divine microscope, he could go and find me, but it's not like I'm on the forefront of his mind. You know what I'm saying? He's got a lot of things he's thinking about. He's got a lot of people about that he's thinking about. And it's not like he doesn't care, but he's just got a lot of things going on. And he doesn't know me specifically. We've all felt that before. And some of you might be here today and you would say, I don't just feel that. That's what I believe. That's what I believe about God. I believe there's some higher power up there and he's doing something, but he doesn't know me specifically. The story that we're going to see today about Samuel, Samuel learns what we all need to learn or we all need to remember that God does know each one of us. He knows each one of us particularly, he knows each one of us individually and specifically. So we're going to jump into the story right now. You guys ready? Are you ready? Yeah. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 3. This is on page 382. If you pull out one of the Bibles in the back of the pew in front of you, if you have your phone with you, you can pull up the Bible app on your phone. If you brought a paper Bible, I don't know what page it's on because all the paper Bibles are different. But find 1 Samuel 3. You can turn to the table of contents, or you can just read along on the screen. We'll have all the verses up there, and I'm going to be reading... along from the screen in the back of the room, which none of you can see, but I can see, so that's why I don't have a Bible up here, because I'm just gonna be reading along from up there. If you haven't been here the last couple weeks, you've only missed a little, bit, a little bit of the story. So I want to just catch you up on what's been going on in the last couple weeks. The story started, and I did this last week. I brought some emojis. I brought them again this week. This is going to be a review for some of you, but stay with me for the people that weren't here last week. Hannah and Eli, two people. Eli is the head of the nation of Israel. Hannah and Eli are both Israelites, and Eli is the chief spiritual leader and the chief pol- political leader over all the people. Hannah really, really wants a son. And so she goes to the temple where Eli works, and she's weeping, crying, crying, to God and she's praying but she's not speaking any words she's just moving her mouth Eli sees her and he thinks that she's drunk he thinks she's that she's had too much wine to drink and so he says Hannah you're drunk put away the bottle and Hannah says I'm not drunk I'm praying to God and because I want him to give me a son praying like this Eli says I want to get in on that with you he prays with her for for God to give Hannah a son in the meantime, Hannah has cut a deal with God, and she said, God, if you give me a son, I will give my son to Eli to be a priest along with him. God answers Hannah's prayer. She has a son named Samuel. She gives his son to Eli, and now Eli is in the temple. He has two biological sons, Hophni and Phineas, and then he has Samuel, and Samuel's kind of an adopted son. He's kind of just a priest in training, but they're all in the temple together. Everybody with me so far? Okay, good. That's how it starts out. God sees Samuel and he wants Samuel to know what he wants all of us to know is that he knows Samuel specifically. And Samuel, just like all of us, it would be nice for Samuel to know that God knows him specifically because he's going through some stuff right now, just like a lot of us who are going through some different things. Here's what's going on in Samuel's life. Samuel's ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. A linen ephod is just a garment that priests War. Each year, his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. How tragic. How sad and beautiful at the same time that you've got Samuel that he's been given over to the priesthood when he's very little. His mom makes him this handmade garment, brings it to him, gives it to him, and then leaves. So he spends his whole year working in the temple wearing this garment that his mom made him who he never gets to see let me tell you, working in kids' ministry, that's a sad, that's a sad child right there. But here's what makes the story even more sad, is that the situation in the temple is maybe not all that Hannah even realized. It's not clear how much she knew about what was going on, but she gives Samuel to Eli to be trained up as a priest, and the priesthood is just completely corrupted this time. The two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are stealing sacrifices from The people who are bringing sacrifices to the temple, they're forcing them to give them the meat sacrifices they're bringing, they're sleeping with the women who are serving at the entrance to the temple. So the whole system that Samuel's in is totally corrupt. His present, we're gonna talk about his future a little bit later, but his present is just a difficult world. And in the midst of that, God says, I want Samuel to know that I know him. God wanted Samuel to know he knew him. God wanted Samuel to know he knew him specifically, not just in the, it's a wonderful life. I know everyone and I could find Samuel on a, a map of the world. I could go and find out where he is, but no, I know him. Like I know a person I'm, I'm the kids ministry. Like I said before, we've got like 200 kids in there. So I don't know every kid personally. If I had a list of attendance, With each kid's name on it, and I was looking at the room, I could probably find each kid. So many of us, that's how we feel about God. That if he had a list of all the people and all our names, he could pick each one of us out. But there are a few kids who, you know, for whatever reason, God has put on my heart. I'm actually going to say one of them right now. But there's one kid named Devin. He's Charity and Rob's son. And Devin, I just know his story. I know that he was... um, adopted and he's in the process of adoption and uh God has done all sorts of things in his life. He recently came to faith in God and has given his life to Jesus as a fourth grade kid and it's just amazing all that God is doing in his life. And I pray for him and I think about him and every time I see him I'm like I know him. I know that kid and he knows me and I know everybody in there but I know him specifically. That's what God wants Samuel to see, that he knows him specifically. And that's what God wants every single one of us to see. He doesn't have an attendance sheet that he could pick us out on. He knows each one of us specifically. So here's what God does. He does, a, he uses a crazy strategy. Here's what he does. Here's what God did for Samuel to show Samuel that he wants Samuel to know he knows him. You may have heard this story a bunch of times. You may have never heard it before, but here's how it goes. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. So Eli's going to sleep. Samuel is laying down. It's a normal night in the priesthood. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. So Samuel is surrounded by the temple things, the religious thing. The lamp of God was supposed to burn all night. So the, the passage is saying it hasn't gone out yet. So it's sometime during the night, still maybe near morning. Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord. That's the, the place where everybody met. At this time, the, it was a tent. It wasn't actually a temple. It was a tent where they all met, where the ark of God was. And then God says, all right, I'm showing up to Samuel. I'm speaking into his life. What does he do? Does he send fire or thunder or lightning? No, here's what he does. Then the Lord called Samuel. And we know from a few sentences later that when he called Samuel, he said, Samuel. He called Samuel by saying his name. That's all he said. Samuel, and this is what happened next, and this shows us how God must have said his name. Samuel answered, here I am, and he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. He thinks it was Eli. God's chose to speak in such a personal human relational way that Samuel didn't even recognize it was God. So Eli hears this, and as you parents know, if a kid comes to you, if one of your children comes to you and says, hey, did you call me? You don't say, no, it must have been God, right? (laughs) Of course not. That's not what you do. So Eli, just like a normal person, says, I did not call. Go back. Lie down. Finish whatever dream you were having. So Samuel went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up, and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Same exact thing again. At which point, Eli says, my son. And you can just fill in the blank for whatever kind of emotion you think he probably said that. My son, you know, or my son, whatever. I don't know how he said it, but anyways, he says, my son. I did not call. Go back and lie down. My Italian grandparents might've come out a little bit there. (laughs) I did not call. Okay, so anyways. I did not call go back and lie down at which point here's what happens so the Lord left Samuel alone and said to himself this kid is a fool I'm just kidding that's not what it said that's not what God said I just wrote that in there that's not the Bible you're looking down at your Bible like what he's got some different translation than I do No, God is persistent. He's persistent. He's after Samuel and he wants Samuel to know that he knows him specifically. Samuel personally, not just everybody, not just the whole world, but Samuel specifically. Look what the author who wrote this says. He zooms out a little bit and he tries to explain to us. Here's what's going on. He says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. That's important. That's important that the author says, look, here's what's going on. Samuel doesn't yet know God. Because when we look at this, we don't know exactly what Samuel thought in his head or felt in his heart. But we know Samuel had a lot of reasons to think, yeah, I probably know God in a kind of abstract way, in a kind of impersonal way. I probably know God and he probably knows me. In fact, he had some more reasons than a lot of us might even think that we have to know God. He had been learning all about God in the temple from when he was a little kid, studying the Torah, studying the part of the Bible that had been written at the time. And he could have thought to himself, well, you know, maybe God keeps a little bit better track of the people that are studying his word all the time. So, yeah, maybe God knows me. Maybe, you know, God's keeping a little bit better track of the people who are priests or be- being trained to be priests and since I'm being trained to be a priest maybe he knows me because of that maybe he knows me because I'm around some religious stuff some of you have maybe felt this before if if I do religious things or if I'm around religious stuff then maybe that's what makes God know me you know he's in the temple and he's around the ark of God and the lamp of God and he might think well if God checks in on the ark every now and then he might see me sleeping next to it so yeah maybe he knows me because of that maybe he knows me because I do good stuff you know he's living with these this priest and the priest sons that are just so corrupt and doing all these bad things and Samuel shows to be a much better person and probably is at the time so maybe he's thinking you know I'm doing more good stuff than the guy next to me so maybe God knows me a little bit at least because of that or maybe because my mom you know prayed for me when I was growing up maybe you know so maybe God knows me somewhat but the text says Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. What's the point I'm trying to say is I'm trying to say the passage is showing us that it's not about all those other things. It's not about religious stuff. It's not about the good stuff you do. It's not about the family you came from. It's not about what you know about God. It's not about what you do for him. God wants you to know that he knows you in a more specific way than that, if you're brand new to church or if you've been coming your whole life. So here's what happens in the rest of the story. A third time, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli again, third time, and said, here I am, and he called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. Eli finally figures it out, so here's what Eli says. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. If he, if God calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now at this time, who knows what Samuel was thinking or feeling? He goes back and lays down, and now he's aware the next time he hears that voice, now he knows, oh, that's actually God speaking to me. And he also knows he has a choice he has to make. Is he going to say what Eli told him to say? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Or is he going to say nothing? He could just remain quiet and see if God leaves him alone. Some of you, that's your story that you're just like, I wish God would just leave me alone. Some of you, or he might have said, uh, you know, he could have gotten angry at him and said, why did you put me in this situation? Why did my mom leave me here? What's going on in my life? What does Samuel do? Here's what he says. The Lord came and stood there calling as at other times. Samuel, Samuel keeps, still continues to say his name. And Samuel said six words that would change his life forever. Speak for your servant is listening. And in that moment, all the religious stuff, all the priesthood, all the learning that he had gone through, his background, all of that, melted away not saying it wasn't important for him but a personal connection was made between Samuel and God where God had spoken to Samuel he had revealed himself to Samuel and Samuel said yes to that relationship with God that's a choice that all of us have to decide whether or not we want to make as well and many of you in this room have made that decision to follow God with your life and have said yes speak Lord for your servants listening but some of you haven't yet So what did God do for Samuel? He called his name, he called it persistently. Then did he go right back up into heaven? No, here's what he does. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. Everybody say tingle. What a word. So God just doesn't call his name, but then once that relationship has started, God told Samuel the next step of his plan. He says, I want to tell you what I'm about. I want to tell you what my strategy is. I want to tell you what I'm doing in the world. I want to tell you what I value. I want to tell you who I am. And that's exactly what happens. He says, the priest that you've been living with and his two sons, I'm going to bring judgment on them because of everything they've done wrong and the corruption that they've brought into my people who I love so much. I'm going to remove them from power. He tells Samuel the next step of his plan. Then does he leave him alone? He comes he says his name he tells him his plan then does he go no he stays with him Samuel goes in the morning he tells Eli all that's happened we're gonna skip over that part of the story because it's too long to go into right now but Samuel goes on and here's what happened the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground so this wasn't a one-time one-and-done thing God stayed with Samuel from that moment on. When it says he let none of his words fall to the ground, what that's saying is that Samuel was given the job to be a prophet for God, where he spoke God's words to the people. And if he said, hey, God's about to do this thing, and then it didn't happen, someone would have said, Samuel, your words just fell to the ground. That's what that meant. So the fact that the words never fell to the ground meant that God never left him. God stayed with him that whole time. He said his name, he told him the next step of the plan, but then he was with Samuel always. Now you hear that and you say, well, that's nice. Nice for Samuel. God shows up, says, hey, I know your name. I've got a plan. I'm not leaving. I know your name. I've got a plan. I'm not leaving. That'd be nice for Samuel to know. I wish that I could know that for me. How do I know that's true for me? We've all felt that, even if you've been to church a long time and you know all the right answers and you know, yeah, I know that's probably true for me. But we don't feel that. We don't walk through every day going, I know God, the God of the universe, knows my name. I know he's got a plan for my life, even if I can't see it. And I know he's not leaving. But that's what God promises to his followers. It's so important for Samuel to know this because Just like all of us, his life goes on and it is not an easy road. A lot of people think when you sign up to follow Jesus that your life just is smooth sailing. Or they at least think that that's what we promise you in church. Hey, if you give your life to Jesus, everything is going to go smoothly. But that is not what happens in Samuel's life and that's not what happens when you sign up. follow Jesus when you give your life to him so that was Samuel's present that we talked about his mom giving him the clothing and the corruption that he's around here's what happens in his future though the thing that God promised would happen to the group of priests Eli and his sons that comes to pass God brings judgment on them his sons Eli's sons die in battle Eli falls down dead when he hears what happens and Samuel picture him in that moment These are the people he grew up with. These are the people that raised him, and he knows they're corrupt. But at the same time, now everyone that he's grown up with is gone and judged by God. But God provided for Samuel the thing that we all need to know in times like that. God provided for Samuel the knowledge that God knew him. God wanted Samuel to know he knew him. God wanted Samuel to know he knew him specifically. So when that happened, Samuel was able to say, I know he knows my name. I know he's got a plan. I know he's not leaving. I know he knows my name. I know he's got a plan. I know he's not leaving. Time goes on. Samuel has his own sons. Samuel's own sons don't walk with God the same way that Eli's sons didn't, which is tragic. And it's hard to know whether that was Samuel's fault because he did something wrong as a parent or if his sons just rebelled. But eventually he faces the same tragic decision that Eli had to face that we talked about last week where he has to decide, am I going to keep my children in their positions of authority or am I going to let them go? And he decides because God shows up and says, Samuel, you've got to do this. You can't let your sons stay in power when they're so corrupt and they're taking bribes and money from people and they're greedy. And so Samuel makes that decision and he makes it right. He removes his kids from leadership and obeys God. And in that moment, I'm sure it was a terrible moment for Samuel, but in that moment, God had provided Samuel a foundation. I know he knows my name. I know he's got a plan. I know he's not leaving. Can you imagine him trying to go through the situation without having that foundational experience with God? I know he knows my name. I know he's got a plan. I know he's not leaving. That's what God promises to every person that's given their life to him. The same level that he gives it to Samuel. I know he knows your name. I know he's got a plan. I know he's not leaving. And then lastly, Samuel's doing this job. This is as time goes on, years go on. He's doing a great job as a prophet. And all the people of the land that were following false gods, they all come back and they all follow God. They all come back to God, which is the greatest thing you could ever want if you're a prophet of God, is to actually lead the people back to God. But then they say, "Oh, well, Samuel, we don't want you to lead us anymore. We're done with you. We want a king. And Samuel has this terrible moment where he's just filled with so much feeling of rejection and failure and God actually comes and comforts him in that moment. But he faced that moment with the foundation that God had given him. I know he knows my name. I know he's got a plan. I know he's not leaving. I know he knows my name. I know he's got a plan. I know he's not leaving. God wanted Samuel to know he knew him through all of those ups and downs, all of those trials, all of those difficulties for him to go through all of that knowing I know he knows my name. I know he's got a plan. I know he's not leaving. That's the same thing that God wants for us. God wants you to know he knows you. He knows you. He knows you the same way he knew Samuel. Even if you don't feel like it, even if you never had any experiences like that, God knows you. And it's not just that he knows you. It's that he wants you to live knowing that he knows you. We're going to talk in just a minute a little bit more about how you can know that's true for you for sure. But... Really quick, I would like to invite Rachel to come on up here. Rachel TD, come on up. Let's give her a hand. I asked Rachel to share because she didn't believe in Jesus at one point in her life and she came to believe in Jesus. And her story has been so encouraging to me personally. I cried like five times. Every time I heard it, I would cry for like the first five times I heard it. And some of you might have heard it. She shared it in a class last year that we did for people in their 20s. Um, but it's a reminder and a way that we can all remember or maybe learn for the first time that God does know individual people. Some of you heard that story that I just shared about Samuel and thought, you know, I don't even know if that's true. But even if that is true, that was so long ago, thousands of years ago, maybe, maybe God doesn't roll that way anymore. So... Rachel, thank you for being here.
1: Good to be here.
0: Good. Rachel's awesome, as you can see. And uh, you um, grew up not believing in God, and you actually had a pretty negative perception of Christians and Christianity. Tell
1: us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, so when I was 13, I made the conscious choice that I did not believe in God. Um, I knew. Some people who called themselves Christians, but I did not have a favorable impression of them Um, When I was in a good mood, I thought they were just misguided and when I was not in a good mood I thought they were like judgmental or hypocritical or just completely deluded Um, So I felt like they couldn't answer my questions about God adequately to whatever standards I guess I had at that point in time. So I decided that like their faith couldn't be real and neither was their God
0: so that was just kind of your view of life and Christianity and Christians for a good while until you got to college and then some of that started to change. Tell us, tell us about that.
1: Um, so when I went to college, the first two months were awful because I'm not very good at making friends and so I didn't make any. Um, And I had previously struggled with depression. Some of that started coming back. So I was getting to this place where I felt like just really desperate. And so one night, I just kind of prayed angrily at God. And I was like, well, you know what, God, if you're real, then I need you to help me out here and like, please give me some friends. Um, a couple days later, I actually met this huge group of people that were wonderful. They were very kind to me. They immediately welcomed me. I was really just of astonished at how they treated each other because it was it was very kind and loving and everyone was encouraged in like their unique strengths Um, and it was a community I wanted to be a part of until I found out they were all Christian and I didn't like Christians so I didn't want I was really upset about that Um, (laughs) but I was also desperate so I still out with them anyway and um, I wouldn't go to Bible study with them and I wouldn't go to church with them but they continued to hang out with me and still care for me and be my friend, even though um, we sort of disagreed on something fundamental, but their kindness towards me definitely changed what I thought a Christian was and kind of made me question if I was correct about what God was.
0: Yeah. So that kind of started you on the journey of thinking, well, maybe there is more to God than I thought, but that wasn't the thing that actually got you to believe. So tell us the story of how you actually came to believe in Jesus.
1: Um, So it was in December of my freshman year, and I was alone in my dorm room, and I started to pray. And I was like, all right, God, so I talked to you, like, a couple months ago, and I asked for friends, and then I got a bunch of friends who are all Christians, and that's a little suspicious. Like, it, it could be a coincidence, but it might not be. So if you're real i will throw away my whole life and i will do this christian thing because obviously i've been wrong about everything Um, but if you're real like I, i need to know because i can't follow something that's not true um and so at that time i heard someone call my name um it kind of was like if you have a friend at the end of a long hallway and they like call your name and then run away, so there's like this urgency in it. And, you know, you feel like you have to, you have to go chase them or go get them. Um, and it was very loud, um, but I wouldn't describe it as a shout. I don't know why, but the word whisper is better, even though it was still loud. Um, but anyways, it was loud and it was loud. And I could see that there was no one else in my dorm room because it's a very small room. Um, So I was like, okay, it must be right outside my door. So I climbed down out of my lofted bed and I opened my door. Nobody was there. So I was like, that's bizarre. And I started, I walked around the entire floor of my dorm and there was nobody because it was like 3 a.m. on a Wednesday. And as crazy as college kids are, they're not usually running around in the dorm room at 3 a.m. on a Wednesday. Um, so eventually I felt dumb enough that I just, like, went back to my room and was like, that was weird. Um, and sort of laid back down and was like, what was I doing before this voice interrupted me? Um, <laughs> and I realized, oh, right, I was praying. And so I kind of asked, like, God, um, was, was that you? And at that point in time, I felt what I now recognize is the Holy Spirit um, just kind of enveloped me. And I felt safe and loved and understood Um, But also really terrible because I was super wrong about everything. But that was sort of the moment um, when I knew that I wanted to know the Lord and that he knew me.
0: Amen. Praise God, huh? So you got to tell us. At that time you hadn't been around church a lot so you hadn't heard the story that we just heard from first samuel so what was it like the first time you heard that story that you basically had just lived
1: yeah so after that moment i got involved with uh christian fellowship they're this college group that is for christians in college or people who are interested in christianity and i met with one of their staff workers and i told her this story and she was like can I please read you a passage? And I was like, sure. And so she read me this passage and then she finished and she looked at me and she was like, so hearing this, like, how do you feel? And I was just like, oh, that's kind of neat. I guess that's just what God does all the time then. Like, whatever. Um, I had a like pretty narrow idea of how God communicated with people. Like in retrospect, I can now see all these ways God was calling me other than audibly before that moment. Um, But at the time I was just like, okay, like whatever.
0: And mm-hmm. yeah, we did it for you and he did it in the Bible. That just right. must be how he rolls. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thanks so much, Rachel. Let's give her a hand. Now, I don't know how that lands with some of you. Some of you might think, oh, she, she probably made that up and he just had her do it. But that's not true. That's a true story from her life. And, um. God still is doing this all the time. Supernatural things just like that. I've heard so many stories like that from people face to face. And I've experienced a few things like that. And this is not just a Bible time thing. But even knowing that, it's easy to go, okay, well, that's what God did for Samuel 3,000 years ago. That's what God did for Rachel. And now I'm a little jealous of Rachel because where's my like voice from God? But what about me? How do I know that God, you still haven't told me, how good is God, how can I know that God knows me specifically? How can I know that God wants me to know that he knows me? Here's how you know. I want to remind some of you of something that many of you have heard before, and some of you, this might be the first time you heard it, but it's this, that God called your name at the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. I was just talking through this with a couple this week that are coming back to church after a while, and I said, this is the gospel. This is the central thing that we believe as Christians. This is how we can know we can have a relationship with God. This is how we can know that we're gonna go to heaven when we die, and this is how we can be sure that God cares about each one of us. 2,000 years ago when Jesus died and rose again, people went out and they started preaching the gospel. And it's just a word that means the good news. That's the good news in the Greek from the time. It's the good news of Jesus. And people have been preaching this ever since for thousands of years. And it's just continued to change life after life after life after life as people come with God. And we we don't explain it in detail on a Sunday morning super often. So I just want to go through right now. This will be a reminder for some of you. But for some of you, this might be the first time you've heard it. What is the gospel? This is it. Your sin puts you in God's debt. I know that sounds weird, but the things that you've done wrong by your own choice put you in God's debt. It would be like if you went to a judge and he said, because of what you've done wrong, you owe the court a trillion dollars. A very high debt a debt that you can never pay and you might think well what I've done isn't as bad as what some people have done so why would my debt be that high with God well here's the reason God is so holy he's so pure he's so powerful he's so awesome that even a little bit of sin gives us a debt to God that we could never repay the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God not just me not just a couple of you, every single person that's ever lived, we've all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And for all of us, the wages of sin is death. Meaning if you went to the judge, he would say, here's what you've earned yourself. Here's your wages. Eternity separated from me. That's what we call hell, eternal separation from God, a place of punishment and torment. That's the only way that we can pay God the debt That we owe him the only way we could pay it on our own would be to be separated from him forever and to be punished forever for the things that we willfully have chosen to do but god loves people he loves people and he doesn't love when people go to hell and the bible says that he desires that no man should perish and everyone should come to repentance and even though we deserve eternal separation from him God provided a way for us to be saved. Here's what the rest of that verse says. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus paid the debt for your specific sin. So here's what happened. At some point... Outside of time and space and history, God zoomed out and he looked at each one of your lives, every single one of your lives, everyone in this room. If you're brand new to church, if you've never been to church, if you've been a Christian for your entire life, he looked at your whole life from the beginning of your life to the very end of your life. He went through and he looked at everything you did wrong, your whole life, and he made a mark and said, this person owes God this. Vince owes God for this. And he looked at every time he should have done something right and didn't do it and said, Vince owes God for this. Made a IOU sheet that was so big none of us could ever pay it. Then he ripped it off and he gave it to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, you need to take the sentence that this individual person deserves. You need to take the punishment that this person deserves. First John 2, two makes this clear. He... This is John writing to church people, people that have decided to follow Jesus. He says he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Christians, people that have decided to follow Jesus, but not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So that means the debt that every person owes God is completely paid for, completely paid for. For their whole life, even if they never heard of Jesus, even if they have said no to Jesus, their debt is still completely paid for by Jesus. And now God has a Samuel relationship available with your name on it. He pulls out a trillion dollars. Well, that would be a lot of dollars. Let's not say that. He pulls out a check and writes it for a trillion dollars. Signs it and says if you want this You can begin a relationship with me It is a free gift It is not something you could ever earn It's not something you have to earn It is a free gift for me And beginning a relationship with God Just means saying yes to that gift Coming to God and saying I've done wrong I'm sorry Thank you for paying the price That I owe you And then God enters into A relationship with you at the end of the service, I'm going to give a time where you can come forward and pray with someone and do that with somebody. You can do it by yourself, you don't have to do it with a person, but sometimes it helps to be able to pray that, through that with somebody, um, especially if you're not exactly sure what to say or you need a reminder of how it all works. And some of you, God might have been working on you for years and years and years, and you just happen to end up here today and you know that God wants your life, He wants your soul. And you're going to have a time that you can do that later. A lot of you in this room, though, have already done that. You've already said yes to God. You've already had your relationship started with him. Here's what this means. Once you say yes, once you say yes to God, you have the same kind of relationship with God that Samuel did. Whether God's ever called your name audibly or not, whether you feel it or not, whether no matter what's going on in your life, you have the same kind of relationship with God that Samuel had, except you have it a little better. You have it a little bit better than Samuel did. Here's what God did for Samuel. Here's the thing. God did all of this for Samuel, And he did even more for us than he did for Samuel. But we feel like he's done less. And I want to remind you, even if you feel like he's done less, he's done more for you. So God calls Samuel's name persistently, right, over and over again. He calls it audibly. He calls it with his voice. Here's how we feel. We feel like we're calling God's name over and over again. And he's not listening. Like he's up in heaven and we're like, God, God, God. And he's like, is that an angel? That Holy Spirit? Who's talking over there? And he has to learn to recognize our voice. But the reality is, not only is God calling us our name persistently, but God... Actually, we'll get to that in just one second. Let me go through this list first. God told Samuel the next step of his plan, right? He says, here's what I'm about to do in the world. And I'm going to bring judgment on these people. And we think, man, it would be great if God told me the next step of his plan in my life. But we assume that he's got no plan. We feel like he has no plan for our lives. And so we start making our own plan and ask God to come join in with us. And then it never feels like God is down for your plan. Most of you know that if you've been walking the journey at all, that if you tell God, here's my plan, it never seems like he's going along with it. And then he says, you know, he's, He's with Samuel always. We say, oh, I wish I could have that. I feel like God is only with me on special occasions. I, you know, he, I think he was with me a little bit when I was in church that one time and they played that one song and I felt him a little bit or maybe the day you had your first child, you felt like, wow, God is really with me or when everything was going right, but the rest of the time you're like, ah, he's only with me some of the times. The reality is though, God has given us not what we feel like he's given us and he's given us so much more than he's given Samuel. We feel like we're calling God's name and he's not answering. But here's what God did for you. He called your name with the blood of his son. And Samuel still had to say, you know, is that God or is that not God? And he was had to learn to discern it. You can know for a fact that God cares about you specifically because he has called your name by paying the price for your sins with the blood of his son we assume like god has no plan and so we try to make our own plan and we're like "Can't god just give me the plan god's given us the whole plan we know so much more than samuel ever knew samuel didn't even know exactly what the afterlife was going to be like he didn't even know if there was going to be an afterlife at the time god had not revealed that to people at the time that samuel lived but he's told us all look if you believe in me you got heaven waiting you've got an eternity waiting for me and yeah you might know ex- not exactly know the next step of the immediate plan in front of you, but you actually know way more than Samuel did. And you know from Ephesians chapter two that God has good works prepared in advance for you to do. And he has a plan for the whole world. He has eternity waiting for you, but he also has a plan for your individual life, for you specifically. We feel like he's only with us on special occasions. We say, when I wish he could be with me always, like he was always with Samuel. But God has not only promised to be with us every day. Jesus said, surely I am with you always till the very end of the age. But God has not only promised that, but he's promised to be in us every day, that he's in us by the power of his Holy Spirit. I have a friend who recently um, became a Christian just a few weeks ago, and he said, I felt like there was a hole in my chest. And when I said yes to Jesus, it just got filled in, which is so interesting because if you've you know, if you've known people that have come to faith, people say that all the time. That's like one of the most common things people say is they say, I feel like my chest got filled in with God, but he had never heard that before. He didn't know that was a thing that you're like supposed to say or something, you know, but he said it because it's what happened. That's what God did to him. God came and Fill him up, and he's in us. And if it's been years since you felt that feeling, it is just as true today as it was the day you said yes to Jesus. If you've never felt that feeling, but you've said yes to Jesus, it is just as true for my friend. It's just as true for Samuel. It's just as true for any person. God lives inside you, and he is not going anywhere. This is true. If you've said yes to Jesus, this is true for you. God wants you to know he knows you. He knows you already, whether you know it or not, but he wants you to know he knows you. He knows. He wants you to know, I know your name, I've got a plan, and I'm not leaving. When you're looking for a job and you don't know what God wants you to do, God says, I know your name, I've got a plan and I'm not leaving. When you have a death in the family or you have a miscarriage, God says, I know your name, I've got a plan, and I'm not leaving. When you go through a breakup, God says, I know your name, I've got a plan, and I'm not leaving. When you and your spouse are trying so hard to get along and you just can't seem to get it together, God says, I know your name, I've got a plan, and I'm not leaving. If your spouse doesn't even believe in Jesus, or your kids don't believe in Jesus, and you're so concerned for their future, God says, I know your name, I've got a plan, and I'm not leaving. If you've got sin that you've been trying so hard to overcome, and you're like, God, help me overcome this, help me overcome this, and you just seem so stuck in it over and over and over again, God says, I know your name, I've got a plan, and I'm not leaving. He says it every day. That's how we're designed to live life. We're not designed to live the Christian life believing God is way up there doing his own thing and if we scream loud enough maybe he'll come and check in on you God has designed for us all to live life saying God I know you know my name I know you've got a plan and I know you're not leaving that's basic Christianity that's Christianity 101 and it's hard it's hard to believe that because life is hard and he doesn't speak to us audibly every day some of us never. But this is how we're intended to live. Believing that God wants us to know he knows us. To know he knows my name. He has a plan for my life and he's not leaving me personally. This I shared a little bit about my story last week. And this is really the thing that brought me back to faith. I was, I'll just catch up if you weren't there. I was 17, didn't had uh, grown up in church and believed in God, but I just went the way of the world, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and had no interest in following God, and went through a terrible breakup, and it was a terrible time. And from age 17 until age 23, I did not walk with God. I just totally rebelled against Him. And I still believed in Him, but I just didn't follow Him. I just didn't do it. And when I was around 22 and my life had gotten so terrible and so banged up and nothing that I thought would make me happy was making me happy. And I was trying to do music and as a career and that wasn't working. And I just got so broken up. I was like, I'm just going to give God another chance. So I came to church and I went to pastors and people in the church that I had grown up and I said, hey, I'm I'm stuck in some bad stuff. Can you help me fix this? And they were like, yeah, we can try. And so they told me to do all these things. Try doing this, try doing this. Read the Bible more, pray more. That's all good advice. If you've ever told someone that, I'm not saying you told them the wrong thing. It's all good advice. But they told me to do all these things and I tried. I did all the things and got back involved in church and nothing changed. I kept doing all the stuff you're not supposed to do. So after being away, coming back, I left again and said, all right, I can't do this. I feel like such a hypocrite and I can't be good enough. And I completely walked away from God again. And about six months after that, I was sitting in my parents' living room and not quite as Dramatically, as it happened to Rachel, a similar thing happened to me. And I'm not saying this has to happen to you for you to be a Christian. I'm just telling you my story, and I, I hope this is encouraging to you as you think about your life that these experiences are designed to be paradigms for us to know what's true for all of us. Whether you've experienced anything like this or not, this is true for you. If you've said yes to Jesus, this is true for you. But I was sitting there, and the, the presence of God just came in the room. I had never experienced anything like that. I didn't have a grid for it. I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what that felt like before it happened. But God's presence came in the room. And in that moment, I realized that I had grown up believing all these things about God in a very general way. I knew he forgave people in general, and I knew he loved people in general, and I knew he was good in general. But I didn't realize that all that was true for me, too. It was true for me, too. And in that moment, when he came in the room, I realized, oh, he doesn't just forgive everybody. He forgives me specifically. And like John was saying during the announcements, he doesn't want me to clean up my act then come to him. He wants me to come to him now, just as I am. Just as I am, I can come to him with all my garbage and he will take me right now. And he doesn't just love everybody, he loves me specifically. And I'm just weeping and crying. And then at that moment I said, God's pretty good actually. I'm like, I think I'm actually down with this. I think I'm back in again because this is actually better than a lot of church people made it seem. they kind of made me feel and this is no fault of their own but they kind of made me feel like you gotta fix it all then God will take you then you'll be cool but God showed up and he said no you've read the Bible you know what the Bible says he says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ you will be saved that God takes us as we are just like he took Paul just like he took Moses just like he took all these people while they were still a mess God took them and said let me write the rest of your story that's what God did to that's what God did for me. And I realized He knew my name, He had a plan, and He wasn't leaving. He knew my name, He had a plan, He wasn't leaving. That's true for all of you as well. This is an extra. It's not for the super spiritual. It's not for the pastors. It's not for the dramatic stories. This is everyday Christianity. And in fact, this is the only way we get through all the other stuff. The only way we get through all the difficulty. The only way we thrive in the midst of very difficult circumstances is knowing that this is true. That God knows us, He knows our name. He's got a plan, and He's not leaving. I'll invite the band to come back up. And we're going to do that thing I talked about before now. A little scary. So listen, if you're sitting here and you're like, uh, God wants me, and I don't want him to want me, but I know he wants me, you're not the first person that has ever felt with, and he does. He does want you. And you are just welcome as the band plays to come down. And you can pray with me the prayer team is going to be over here and prayer team if you can actually stand like right by the sign that'll i think just make it a little more comfortable for people if they want to come down and you can just come and pray with someone and they'll talk you through how to begin that relationship with god how to say what samuel said speak lord for your servant is listening if nobody comes down everyone that's okay that's okay a lot of you in normal church people are like, oh, we don't normally do this. What if nobody comes down? Oh no, is this going to be bad? No, anytime we provide an opportunity for people to come and say yes to Jesus, that's great. If nobody comes down, that's great. But if any of you right now are sitting there going, I know that's me. I know he wants me. He does. And you can just come down and someone will pray with you. So if you believe he knows you, and today is the first day you believe, maybe God knows you. I want you to come forward and say yes to him. But a lot of you have forgotten he knows you that you've been doing this thing so long and in the midst of working so hard at work, then coming and working so hard at church, working so hard with your kids, lots of uncertainty, difficulty, tragedy, that it's been so long that you stopped and were like, wait a minute, God knows my name. He loves me. He's got a plan for my life. He's not going anywhere. The God of the universe knows me like he knew Samuel, like he knew Paul, like he knew Moses, like he he knows Rachel, like he knows Vince. He knows me that same way. And he loves you so much. So if that's you, if if you've long forgotten that God knows your name, you... I just want to encourage you to just just thank him as we sing, just to praise him and thank him, or you can kneel on the ground and just say thank you that way. You can sit, you can run around the aisles if you want to. I don't really care what you do. But just to say, God, thank you for that. And we're going to sing this song as we do it. That says, come to the altar. The altar is just a way of saying coming to God and asking for the sacrifice that is given. So I'm going to pray and then we'll sing. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all you do for us. Thank you that you know each one of us and you want us to know we know you. And God, if there's anybody here that's thinking, I know God's after me, I just encourage, God, I ask that you would just poke their hearts, push them forward
1: and that they would come and start a relationship with you right now. In Jesus' name, amen.